the final tackle podcast and we have an absolute legend of afl he's an afl life member a carlton life member the 1995 grand final winner with carlton anthony kudafides thank you very much for joining us here today this episode is brought to you by our proud sponsor gold coast trading cards they are an authorized tla trading card dealer and they are the nrl collector's choice from box breaks to individual cards they sell thousands of them be sure to get all of your nrl trading card needs at gold coast trading card no worries cj thank you mate no mate it's the pleasure's all all ours uh so let's get started your junior days with layla what was it like growing up in such a you know um afl dominated sort of team slash town yeah it really was growing up i had migrant parents but afl or vfl back then was the most dominant sport uh, a lot of people always say to me um why didn't you play soccer? And uh, I never really enjoyed the game of soccer. I just always loved that oval ball. My brother and I fell in love with it. He's a year older than me, Paul. And then our friends asked us to go down to a local footy club to try out. And so we did. We initially started at East Thomastown Football Club. It was the black and white. And hence the reason why I buried for Collingwood growing up. Oh, okay. I know you a uh, <laughs> mad Collingwood supporter. Yep. And uh, the local footy club came over to mum and dad's house and said, uh, we'd love to have your, your uh, boys at our football club. And um, yeah, we decided to go there. Layla was a, a like a really strong, powerful club that played in the mm-hmm. highest division. Not that we sort of knew back then, but we knew friends that were there and uh, we went there. And I, I love Layla. And uh, growing up at Layla Thomastown, it was a lot of migrants there, but just a young family. It was the outskirts of uh, Melbourne and just so many young, incredible sports people around that time. And a lot of my mates and... Uh, yeah, we, we just played so much sport. We're out and about in the house, you know, out in the, in the parks and schoolyards and doing all those things. So a lot of footy club to me meant a lot. So I wasn't there a long time because by the time I was age 16, the, the Carlton Football Club asked me to um, start playing in the under-19s. So I had to make a decision at that time. It was a real tough one, but my brother was there and some of my other good mates uh, were there also, which made it easier to make that decision. But Lola Footy Club, I still remember it now. Probably one of the... Uh, happiest periods of my life where life was just so free and you know easy and just riding our bikes to footy training and uh, just great times yeah nice like literally just not carefree not contracted per se just going to play footy with your mates on the weekends that's what it was and uh, we had so much fun and success and just a wonderful club unfortunately it's not like that now Layla. they've really you know dropped off because of the demographics now but as a uh, at that time in a growth area we were very yeah it was a very uh our for, it was our fortress little footy club, and it was uh, I, I, other clubs when they came to place knew it was going to be a hard hard day. Oh, wow. that's awesome! Um, then you ended up getting your debut for uh, Carlton in 1992, round 13 against Adelaide. What was it like stepping onto the you know the the first class or first string AFL pitch and getting your first game? It was a long struggle. Uh, you know, I was 14 when I got the letter from the Carlton Football Club. I lived in the Carlton zone. Mm-hmm. And I uh, played two years under 15 in their development squad. I made the Victorian team. And then 
I played the under-19s. I, I think I played 36 or 38 games there. Made the uh, All-Australian team in the Till Cup at centre-half back. And then um, that's when Carlton offered me a contract at the end of 1990. So yep. I was contracted in 91, but I didn't play a game. I uh, played majority reserve games. So all up, I played 50 reserve games. So 1992, I think I was emergency quite a few weeks, but never got picked until finally round 13. Okay. I was playing a full-back in the reserves then. I actually um, won the reserves best and fairest that year. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, – it wasn't easy. And eventually I did get picked, luckily. And, uh, yeah, it was just unbelievable feeling. I had a good mate, Ange Christu, that was really playing yeah. senior footy, so I was desperate to play. Um, you know, a lot of people were a bit unsure whether I was ever going to make it. And uh, I had that opportunity. I remember I had so many phone calls uh, when I got picked the day before. So nervous. We were playing Adelaide at um, – Optus Oval, as it was known back then, and yeah. it was just an unbelievable day, and it and it panned out alright. I started on the bench, I came on and uh, had a few touches, kicked the goal, and uh, it was really exciting for me. Oh, that's amazing! Honestly, that's amazing to hear. And then, obviously, three years later, you're in the big dance, 1995 Grand Final. What was it like, the you know, during that final series? If you can take us back there down memory lane, and also in general, the the game itself. What was it like, and do you remember much of it? Because players say, you know, it's the fastest moment of your life is the grand final day. Can you remember much of it? And if you can, can you tell us about it? Yeah, that that, that I was very lucky. '94 got dropped halfway through the year, and uh, I basically thought my career was over. I was going through a lot of emotions. I was a bit up and down, uh, in and out of the team. There was no consistency. And then uh, luckily I got picked on the wing two weeks later. And uh, from that point onwards, I never looked back. I was in the best players, I think, almost every week. And uh, yeah, then 95 came around and um, we we, we, finished, we were on top of the ladder in 94 with uh, one round to go. We lost to Essendon. So we finished second, but we went out in straight sets in 94 <clears throat> against Melbourne and Geelong. And um, 95 came and everyone was saying that we were too old and too slow. Huh. We had a terrible pre-season, and, uh, but then the season came, we started winning games, and then we lost to the two bottom teams, Sydney and St. Kilda. Oh, it's always the way. Shock. Yeah, that was a real shock to us because it was like, okay, what is happening here? Who knows? But that, from that point onwards, we turned it around, and we were just unbeatable. And uh, we came together as a team. I remember the final series, we came up uh, first week of the finals was Brisbane Bears back then, not Lions. Yep. And yep. it was phenomenal uh, in that second half of that season in 95 and so three quarter time the game was in a balance I had hardly had a kick Chris Scott the uh, Geelong coach was uh, current Geelong coach was on me and mm -hmm. uh, yeah he, I, I barely had a, any touches and then uh, Parko said you're going to go to full forward so I went there and I think Stephen Kernan kicked the first goal I kicked the next three so I sort of blew him away a little and we only ended up winning by 14 points so that was our closest battle in that final series we came up against wow. Melbourne and absolutely thrashed and they came in hard Mm -hmm. You know, they flattened a few of our players like Peter Dean and Greg Williams, but, mate, the boys just got up. They were tough too, mate. Don't worry about that. And, uh, yeah, we got to the grand final. The build-up was enormous. Geelong, I think, went into the game as favourites. I'm not sure how. Um, and training was crazy. Like, three or four or 5,000 people there, you know, signing autographs. It was mayhem. Wow. Run, run out of the race uh, in, the, you know, the, the spring weather. Um, of just, you know, Melbourne, when you can just smell finals footy in the air. Yeah. A little bit of sunshine oh, at that time. Good goosebumps, hey? <laughs> yeah, it was just perfect. And, uh, you know, you ran out there with the supporters going crazy. You ran out just for training. And I think everyone's intensity just increased a little with everyone there. 
And then, of course, the car parade around the city of Melbourne, the city that I love, the city that I grew up in, the city stops for us to be able to go through those streets of the city. And they look different in a car when everyone's just standing around there, just waving at you. It was just wow. incredible moments. And um, game day came. I remember I was really nervous because the night before, everyone's ringing me and, oh, I just needed to be alone. I had yep. mates from the Lola Footy Club coming over and, you know, ringing the doorbell. And my parents were just like, no, nah, you've got to go because you've got to just leave them alone. <laughs> Yep. And, um, uh, yeah, and then a grand final day, extremely nervous. Angel was always a character. He sort of calmed my nerves a little because he had to be a bit more, like, carefree before a game. I was a bit more, like, serious. I had to really think. Okay. <clears throat> and um, just his, you know, a few little laughs here and there that just eased the tension. Mm. Went out there. Halftime, when the, the uh, siren went halftime, Ange had the ball and Billy Brownless <laughs> tackled him after the siren, threw him to the ground, and I came in. There was a massive brawl. And, uh, yeah. Barry Stoneham, who uh, had a broken leg, he was on crutches. I think somehow he made his way in that melee, into that brawl there. And uh, yeah, it was just uh, yeah, crazy. We went in halftime with a commanding lead, um, but still I wasn't convinced that, you know, we had the game because mm. uh, we still had a half. And I remember a couple of years before that, watching the Essendon uh, Adelaide prelim final when Adelaide were dominating and then Essendon came in that second half. Yep. And killed him. So, yep. Halfway through that last quarter, I remember standing on the MCG in front of 90 or 1,000 people and I, I looked around all 80 odd points ahead and I just went, okay, I can finally say now I'm about to be a premiership player for the Carlton Football Club. It was never a dream. A dream was to play AFL. Mm-hmm. I never imagined it playing off and being a premiership player. And there I was at the age of 22, a premiership player for what wow. I think was the greatest club ever. Back then, I know they haven't um, been successful for a long time, but back then we were the most powerful club and envy of the competition and well, in the 90s, you guys were dominant, you know, regardless of only winning one, you were in two, I think, or maybe three grand finals in the 90s. Yep. You were there in the finals, as you said. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just goes to show that you guys were quite a dominant team in the 90s. Yeah, we win three grand finals. 93, we lost Essendon. Uh, yeah, 95, we won. Then 99, we luckily got there. We shouldn't have, really, but we, we got there against North Melbourne, who... I just always, I feel like now they were beatable, but they deserved it because they were a very disciplined team and been so good for so long. So they definitely mm. deserved it, not to say that we were better. But they were beatable. And I'd probably say, you know, if Essendon were playing against them, Essendon would have won because I think they were the better team of that year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree with that statement as well. That's awesome. Thank you for, you know, talking about the finals run in 95. Um, and then in 99, you went through... Uh, a quarter in the prelim final against Essendon, speaking of, you made 10 kicks, six marks, four clearances, three rebounds and two goals in which Stephen Kernahan quoted the greatest quarter ever played. Can you remember that game in particular? Of course I remember it. I'll never ever forget it. <laughs> I think all the Carlton, Carlton supporters would, apart from all the premises, probably go, that game would probably go down as one of the greatest, if not greatest games of all time. Um Unbelievable day. Essendon were the unbeatables. I remember driving to the to the ground and Essendon supporters, basically the news reports were that they were waiting in line for their grand final tickets. Uh, they thrashed <laughs> us twice throughout that year, once by over 40 points and the second time we played and they beat us by 70-something points. So we should not have won. <laughs> no. And, uh, I don't know. We played really good against West Coast the week before. We just tweaked our game plan a little. We just We came into the game with confidence. Um, mm-hmm. We had nothing to lose. Essendon had everything to lose. John Elliott was the greatest president at that Carlton Football Club by far. And I remember his words before the game. He said, Kuda, I've got a funny feeling about today. And that, that was just, that lifted me. They were, yeah. they were the words that I needed to go, maybe he knows something I don't know. I don't know whether that was 
the thing that triggered all the other players too, because the board were just fantastic in walking in and just giving us confidence. And uh, we went in the game at halftime. There we were, like commanding lead. I'm walking off thinking we might be in a grand final next week. But Essendon turned it on the way they should have played. All were capable of playing for the four quarters. They kicked seven goals seven in that third quarter, and then they were ahead of us. Now I started in the back pocket, and I was there yeah. much all day. I felt good though, like I could read the ball. I was marking well, you know, off the packs. And uh, at three quarter time, going into the huddle, I was just like looking up, going, "Please, just put me in the middle. Please put me in the middle." I was waiting, yeah. waiting. I don't know if the coach, uh, coaches felt the energy on me. I'm not sure, but I didn't get the call at that stage. So I started the last quarter um, back pocket again. But two or three minutes in, I seen the runner running over, and I thought he's going to say, "Cooter, you're in the middle," and I knew it, and he did. And uh, I remember Murphy about a minute or two later, Justin Murphy had the ball on a half forward flank. And I was on the other side of the ground and I was just like, just hold the ball, don't kick it, wait, wait. And I'm running, running. He would have seen me. And he bombed it down. And I took that big mark to kick our, to kick our, um, yeah, our goal. And uh, we just started motoring. And what a, what a battle it was. Mark McCurry had that ball at the end of the game. He would have kicked that 99.9 times out of 100. And yeah. uh, on this day, it just missed it. He was an incredible player, Merckx. Unbelievable player. Always a threat to us. And then, of course, Fraser Brown laid down, you know, probably the uh, greatest tackle of all time that all the current supporters will remember on Dean Wallace. And that was enough, you know, for Justin Murphy to get the ball onto Radden and back onto Murphy. And that was it. The siren went. And uh, what a day it was. Essendon supporters crying. Current supporters just could not believe it. And uh, Crying, but for a good reason. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. This episode is made possible by one of our sponsors, Drum Clothing. They are a clothing store company based in Woi Woi, New South Wales, Australia. But guess what? They ship Australia-wide. They have a great range of winter clothing with their current uh, winter drop happening at the moment. So be sure to go through Drum. Telling CJ sent you from the Final Tackle Podcast. Also, we have uh, discount codes dropping soon, so be sure to keep an eye out on our Facebook and Instagram for that. Now, that that that's absolutely amazing to hear. Um, some of your accolades include getting the AFLPA MVP, also known as the Lee Lee Matthews Trophy, um, which you're chosen by the players as the MVP of that season in 2000. You're also Carlton captain 04 through to 06. Um, as I said, AFL and Carlton life member and also Hall of Fame inductee in 2014. What was it like getting inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2014? You know, after walking in that football club at the age of 14 and uh, leaving at 34, I never had that opportunity to get back in there. And, uh, and my time in the AFL was pretty much done and dusted. Not sure why. I tried to, to get into the AFL and help out maybe the talent coming through the ranks or, you know, doing something at at Carlton Football Club, but it wasn't the beach. So all the doors were closed. And so to get that letter from the AFL, they basically sealed, you know, closed. That was the day I closed the locker and it was it was all over for me. It was just, uh, you know, gratitude from head to toe to think that, you know, in my career, the way that it started so slow and unsure in three and a half years to really cement myself as a senior player, to get that letter was just, I was just over the moon. I couldn't believe it. Uh, the Hall of Fame was nothing, uh, it was something I never even dreamt of. Uh, mm. And if you had asked me 91, 92, 93, 94, that you were going to make the AFL Hall of Fame, I would have said, mate, you are dreaming. <laughs> so that was a really nice thing uh, to get there. I took my family on that day, you know, my close mates as well. And uh, it was just a mem- memorable moment. And uh, what an honour for me to say that. There's a lot of cold and greats that uh, haven't been inducted or may have been older than me and got inducted later than me 
Mm. Um, that was just an honour to think that only, you know, six or seven years after retiring, I, uh, yeah, I got inducted into the AFL Hall of Fame. That's a very special uh, moment for me and the family. Oh, absolutely. Um, and speaking of post-playing moments, you've had um, quite, you know, the star-studded lot, um, you could say, life after, because you were in, you're on Dancing with the Stars and Gladiators. Uh, what was it like on both of those shows? And what, what could you say you've taken out of both of those shows in life? My mum's favourite show was Dancing with the Stars. So when I told her that I'd been asked to go on the show, she said, you're going to do it. And so I said, all right, mum. <laughs> There's no option. You have to do yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I had to do it. And she wanted to see me dance. So uh, that was a great experience. Uh, I never knew how to dance, but always at the back of my mind, thought it'd be really nice to know how to dance. So they had that opportunity to do it there. I'm live in front of... You were learning live. <laughs> I know, in front of two million viewers, but uh, really out of my comfort zone and uh, didn't know anything about dancing really and had a great dancing partner. I uh, started as... Uh, I remember the odds on day one and they had... Uh, I was down the bottom, least favourite to win. And uh, believe it or not, I went all the way through and I actually won it. Yep. Somehow. And uh, I danced with some greats and uh, met some really wonderful friends and it was just a real good life experience. And some people may not remember me as a footballer, but some people just love that show, Dancing with the Stars, and remember me for that. So yep. I'm glad I did it. And then, of course, Gladio has come, come about after my uh, career ended. And I always loved that show when it first released back... Uh, yep, in the 90s or 80s. And, yeah. And... Uh, I thought, why not? So there was a couple of the, a couple of celebrities and all. Huda the Greek God. Yeah, Huda <laughs> the Greek God. And uh, it was a great experience, mate. I had time away from the family, um, but, you know, some phenomenal athletes, some incredible um, you know, physiques uh, of the gladiators. And, of course, we took on the challenges. That was fun. That was really, really good. I, uh, I'm glad I did it. And uh, you learn so much through everything you do, whether good or bad. Um, but they were just both uh, wonderful experiences for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I mentioned to you before we started recording, I was at one of the tapings of the show. I can't remember exactly what day or what week it was, but yeah, my dad got me and my sister tickets. We went and watched it and mate, I still have the little wristband um, right. to that because it was such a great day, you know, and seeing how those shows really come together, you know, obviously you get 45 minutes ish of TV show, but it's like a four hour to six hour day. It's, it's insane, but it's, it was so fun. And I, I, I honestly only went to go and see you because AFL and Anthony Kudafides. Um, So it was great to see. Um, what are you doing with yourself these days? Yeah, I've been doing Herbalife Nutrition now for over 10 years. I guess after football, I was a little bit of a lost person or soul. And um, I was really, got really unwell health-wise too in 2010. And uh, a friend of mine had been doing Herbalife for a long time and introduced me to the products. I was a skeptic. Mm-hmm. Products changed my life phenomenal and so I fell in love with them and then I thought you know what I'm going to start this business part-time as I was working for a car finance company which I was really not very uh, happy you know there it wasn't uh, something I could foresee myself doing for the rest of my life and so when I seen this opportunity and thought wow lifestyle working from home I'll get to spend time with the kids and health and nutrition help people get healthy and happy I thought I'll go for it and that's what I did and so I started part-time to eventually building up to a full-time business and I'm, I've loved it. I've traveled to so many places. Of course, we can't travel now, but at least I can say I've traveled so much throughout that time. Also met some wonderful people, with some great leadership, some great, uh, incredibly uh, successful people that I'm still striving to improve and get better every day. And I think that's important too, because as a footballer, we always did that. And I think mm-hmm. I don't want my life not to always look to improve and get better. You know, I don't want to be stagnant in life. I want to continue to do that. So I do that now and uh, yeah, absolutely love what I do. 
Oh, that's awesome to hear. Um, also, you just mentioned in that uh, bit about working from home. Well, everyone is stuck working from home in New South Wales because another lockdown. How did you handle lockdown? Well, all of the lockdowns last year in Melbourne, um, just personally and also work-wise and everything in general. It was a shock to the system. I think we all suffered in some sort of way. Um, never thought we'd ever be in this sort of position. It's a strange old time, crazy times, different world, as we all know it from previous uh, you know, I was just more like, you know, thinking of the kids and the people with their businesses, just, you know, things like that. For me, I um, I approached it like every day as if I was going to go to work. I still got up early and did my morning routine. Um, you know, I got myself ready as if I was going to work and I just did that uh, every single day. So I made sure I didn't get in any bad habits. Like some people I know would go, well, we're at home, we just start drinking, but that can propel, you know, out of proportion. And so... I just stuck to a, a routine and uh, that worked. And, uh, you know, I still smashed my nutrition. I was still in shape. I wasn't obviously training as much, but I'd get my daily walks out there and uh, made sure that the kids did that as well. There was homeschooling. My wife took care of that. I took care of uh, the business and the business really propelled because everyone wanted to get healthy. And, uh, you know, I was, I was hit up by everyone through social media and, uh, you know, helping whether they want to lose weight, maintain weight, just general health and wellbeing, clarity. All that is what we provide in community groups. And so you start to hang around positive communities. Even that for your mindset alone can help you improve too. And so those days when you feel like doing it or you know, persisting or giving up, and the encouragement of the rest of the guys to just be able to help motivate you, it would be enough for people to just continue on. And so, look, it was a, it was a different period. It was a great, you know, like... It was a good period for myself in terms of that, but there was a lot of things that I know, like we all suffered in some sort of way. I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, mate, it was so brilliant. It was tough. But um, yeah, for me, it worked out really well, you know, thankfully. No, absolutely. Um, and just uh, touching on a bit more, touching back on your time in the AFL real quick, um, who was the biggest pest of a teammate? Oh, Ange Christou. Ange was an absolute <laughs> pest, mate. And uh, my best mate there at that footy club, but uh, there was times, I'll tell you what, times when I needed to be away from him as well. But uh, he was a great man, but uh, yeah, very irritating at times. No, that's fair. Um, and what team or individual player was the toughest opponent to go up against? Oh, Matty Richardson for me, the Richmond great. Uh, great guy, Matty. I just felt like his athleticism was <laughs> even better than mine, although they said I was a great athlete. I mean... I went to his day, mate. He never came to me in the midfield or never came to me in the forward line where he had to defend me. But in terms of speed and endurance and strength and size, which I had it all, yeah. I think because I was so athletic, I just played on people one-on-one, -on -one, whereas others may have played in front of him and, you know, worked the lines. But, you know, playing one-on-one -on, -one on him was very hard. And I think uh, he just ran me ragged. Other than Richmond opened up the forward line. Wouldn't happen nowadays, but just open up the forward line. I had no support and he was too good. So the two times that I played him, I felt like, wow, every time the ball was going to come in that he was going to get it. So I played on a lot of greats and there's so many great footballers that I learned from also. But in terms of, yeah, like beating someone, I thought Richo was my toughest. No, nah, that's fair. And growing up as a Collingwood fan as a kid, what was it like when the first time you took on Collingwood in yeah. the AFL? It was funny, all my idols, 1992, was round 21. So I remember that day. And uh, all, all the, the players that I used to love and admire were there. And, uh, yeah, initially, like, of course, you know, it's Carlton versus Collingwood, so you go there, you know, to win. Big rivalry. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. Like, the phone calls, I got people wanted tickets. And 
it was just the biggest week in the um, AFL calendar back then because of the rivalries. It was really strong still then. Mm. Um, it's not as, I guess, powerful now. But if they both get back to the top, mate, I'm sure we're going to see it again because the oh, um, dislike for each other's club. And, of course, we can include Essendon into that as well. Yeah, of course we can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, after that game, I remember all my mates because we lost the Collingwood. They were giving it to all my Collingwood mates. Like, oh, you guys are no good. From that point onwards, I just fell off the Collingwood bandwagon and they're probably my most uh, disliked team. So I've gone from okay. barracking for them. And in saying that, CJ, in all honesty, because I, I stir it up a little because my son and I do tips or whatever. I have total respect yeah. for the Collingwood Football Club. The black and white, I don't like putting it on because it gives me that feeling. When I was young and I used to love them, so I've got to avoid that if I want to keep that. You know what I mean? That, Who does your son follow? Hey, yeah, that's right. Um, does your son follow Carlton or Collingwood? So my son, no, no, he's Carlton. No, no, he's a Carlton. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, he, no, no, not allowed Collingwood, mate. I think my oldest boy, Jamie, broke for Collingwood for about three months. He wanted a Collingwood jersey and all that. My mum came over and uh, she was not going to stand for it. And that, that was it after that, so... No, that's fair. Um, looking back on your career, you've had, honestly, accolades after accolades as, as we've gone through. Which one is the uh, highest accolade for you personally? Oh, in, in terms of, like, if I had to choose everything, oh, that premiership would be, that that is it. I mean, that's a, a, a team thing. In terms of individual, mm-hmm. and the, hall, the Hall of Fame, I think, to close off my career was uh, special. And then, of course, the MVP award because the MVP, the most valuable player award in year 2000 came after my father passed away in 98 and I struggled with my form. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to train, but I got to a point where I was playing that bad that I had to make a decision and I I did it. And I I promised my father upstairs, I said, mate, I'm going to train harder than I ever did before, Dale, I'm going to do this for you. And so I did. And so on, on 99 unfolded with an unbelievable year. It sent our back. Well, I pretty much beat everyone. Maybe only Richo was the only one that I didn't beat and had little, you know, times in the midfield as well. My um, 99, yeah, season, I think I finished second in the Carlton best and first, but I missed the last five weeks because of an injury. So it could have been yeah. another BNF. It was almost a brown low that year, wasn't it? Uh, that was 2000. Oh, that was so 2000. I was 99. I, uh, yeah, I missed the last five because of a uh, stretch capsule on my left knee. Then 2000, I won the most valuable player award. I finished third in our club, best and first. So I could have won another one there oh. because I missed the last few rounds and the, and the two finals games also because of my knee injury. That didn't uh, that didn't happen. But 2001, I won the best and fairest at the club. So I had you know, some great years. And then I, I uh, did my ACL in that second mm. week of the final against Richmond. Yeah. So I just had a bad run at the peak. Was that against Rich, um, Matt Richo? Yeah, that was against Richmond, yeah. Whereas they were, um, we were just starting a motor. And uh, yeah, I just, no, nah, anyway, I did my knee and we lost that game and that was it. No, that's fair. Um, and obviously Carlton haven't had the best of seasons this year. They've done all right, but not as good as they could. Uh, what would be your thoughts or what would you be, say to the Carlton players if you could talk to them now at this point in the in the season? It's hard for me to talk to players. I think, you know, Tiggy, you know, like he's been under scrutiny, but I think he needs to go. I think we just need to let him go. He needs to surround himself with some maybe other coaches that may, can, may assist him. And if you can formulate a good coaching panel around him, uh, I'm sure he's going to do well because he's very liked, in my opinion, uh, Tiggy. So uh, in terms of the player, I don't think they're far away. I know they're getting, you know, the media and some of the ex-players get into them. I just feel like, you know, I've watched teams before and the first one I remember was Brisbane Brisbane Lions back in 2001. Like, we played against them at Princess Park and we, it was round seven. We, we destroyed them. We beat them by 60-something points 
The next week, they just lost to Adelaide. Then from there, then onwards, they never lost a game and went on to win three premierships after that. So yeah. I feel like Carlton, they're in all the time. They just lapse in little periods of the game. I don't know if it's their belief or I don't know how to win. But I just feel like a little bit of a, you know, a, a switch and they could really start to put together a lot of wins and, uh, and then anything's possible after that. So I don't think they're too far away. I'm pretty comfortable. Yes, they need to maybe, you know, improve the list a little. There's no doubt about it. But who knows? It can quickly turn around. Oh, absolutely. Like, look at Richmond up until 2015 and then what they've done in the last six mm. years. And Geelong were the same with Bomber Thompson. There was three yep. scenarios that I spoke in the media not long ago and said, you've got to give Tiggy a go. Like, just let him go. No, absolutely. I agree. Uh, mate, I want to thank you so very much for coming on. Um, and at the end of the season, would you be up for coming on again for maybe an end-of-season review of Carlton? Uh, that should be all right, CJ. Yeah, I'm not uh, one of those fanatical people that sit there and check the form guide. So I'm sure you can no, find no, no. someone better if you want to analyse the boys. No, it's all good. Uh, we won't analyse the boys. We'll just go, like, as a season as a whole. Yeah, no worries, mate. No worries, mate. Thank you so much. And Thanks. again, thank you so much for joining me today, mate. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, CJ. Thanks, mate.